So what does that mean? It means some of you may end up going with them, loving them, caring for them. Amen. Some of you are like, uh uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, they get sent. You might get sent. No, I'm kidding. Happy New Year. What now? Christmas trees. Some of you still got your, some guys, some of you still have your Christmas trees up. Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Some, put it down, would you? Right? Are you going to burn your house down or something? Right? So, so you, you, Christmas stuff is down mostly, right? And, and you, uh, last night I heard the last vestiges of bombs blowing off at the Seahawks playoff game, right? They still got them, man. I don't know who buy, where you buy those things. They're still blowing them up. But, but still, right? So all the New Year's doodahs kind of beyond, behind us. But what do we do now? I love that our church every year, we take this first part of the year and, and we do what we call, what Misty mentioned, 21 United. What is 21 United? I wanted to talk today. Next week, we're going to start 21 United. So if you ate breakfast today, you're good. All right? We're not starting until next week, right? We're going to read, pray, and fast. Sometimes when the announcement person comes up here, they say, read, pray fast. Right? So we're not going to pray fast. All right? we're, going to, we're going to pray slow, but we're going to fast. Right? So, <laughs> sorry. It's more funny in my head. Nevertheless, right? So... I want you to know, right, what is this 21 United thing all about? Why would we do this? Well, why would I ask you every, the beginning of every year to kind of slow down and let's read our Bibles together, let's pray together, and let's fast together? Because I really believe that where there's unity, God releases blessing. When we do something together as a church, God does something pretty amazing. Right? I love when this begins to happen. And I can tell you, if you've been with us for any length of time, you, some of you look forward to 21 United. Some of you cringe about 21 United because you're fearful of what you think God's going to ask you to do, take away from your life and all that. You know, I, I, the, if that's part of who you are, you're normal, all right, because your flesh doesn't want to give up anything, all right? You're not wired to want to sacrifice your pleasure, right? You just get to choose to do that. 21 United. I love this. 21 United. You know what I love about 21 United? Here's a few things I hope to accomplish during our, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So you'll notice this year it kind of started a little late. We're, we're going to start on the 15th. Oftentimes we would have started this weekend, but we just figured with New Year's and Christmas landing on the Sundays, it was difficult to kind of get everyone on the same page. And I would rather take our time than rush into it. So it's going to actually ebb a little bit into February, but we're good, right? I just want you to know, like, I want us all together on this. And so I was fighting to make sure we got us all together. Here's three things I hope to accomplish in this 21 United. I want to take these 21 days to really reassess our walk with Jesus. I want you to really take some time, just like we did today when we were receiving our tithes and offering. I want you to assess and reassess your walk with Jesus. I want you to really look down and say, God, do I really trust you? God, do I really believe you? God, have you really equipped me? And if you have, where am I walking this thing out? I want you to assess your walk with Jesus. I want you to get clear direction for this coming year. Our theme this year, you know what our theme is year? How many of you guys know what our theme is this year? It's your move, right? Just ask Omar that. <laughs> he was in my office the other day, and he's like, our theme this year, your move. Oh. <laughs> like, it just hit him on one shot. He's like, oh. It wasn't this week. It was the other day. But it was like this idea of like, oh, that was for me. And I was like, yes, for all of us, man. You know, some of you this year, you know, God's going to call some of you to step out in areas of faith. I mean, areas of faith where you go on some airplane and go on a mission trip and do something you've never done before. For you, some of you this year, your move is going to require you to step out in an area of ministry, somewhere that you've not done before, but you've kind of felt this nudge, I should help out, but I don't want to, I should, but I don't want to. You're going to end up doing that. 
Maybe even this year, this year, maybe this year for the first time, some of you are going to lead somebody to Jesus. And some of you are fearful of doing that because you're afraid that once you lead them to Jesus, they're going to keep coming back and asking you questions. Can I tell you this? There's no cooler way for you to grow up in Jesus than having somebody ask you questions about your faith. You know why? Because you've got to find the answers. Somebody asks you, wait, so wait a minute. So there is a heaven and a hell? How, what is that all about? And, and, and I don't know. Let's talk to Lance. Right? You know what I'm going to say? You find it, right? And don't Google it. Look in your Bible. It's in there, right? I'm, I'm telling you. There's a, you're going to walk your personal faith out, and I'm excited for you this year because it's your move. Clear direction for this coming year. Number three, third thing I want to hope is that we would find breakthrough this year in our lives. Some of you have been bound up in some areas of your life, bound up in areas of your past that have been hurting you, some of you have been bound up in, in sinful decisions that you're trapped in and you can't get out of, some sort of an addiction, some crazy thing. Some of you are engaged in a relationship that's inappropriate and it's been holding you under, and you're going to get set free from that and find breakthrough this year. And some of that's going to get exposed in 21 United. So you can truly find freedom and health and healing for your life and in your marriage. How many of you need breakthrough this year? Right? About six of you. Awesome. It's a good thing. Breakthrough, come on. Breakthrough, some area of our life, right? Listen to this. Perhaps you've grown tired of that temptation in your life that's been just toying with you, right? Romans 6, 12 says this. Don't let sin control the way you live. Don't give in to its lustful desires. Don't let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life and use your whole body as a tool for what's right to the glory of God. Perhaps you need God to intervene in some place in your life. I mean, full intervene. You're you're having a hard time with struggling with some addiction, something. Listen to this. Ezra chapter 8, verse 23 says this. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. Perhaps you've recognized how far you've fallen away from Jesus. And this 21 United is going to be a time that you get to re-engage your walk with Jesus. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 says this. That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothes in grief. Instead, tear your hearts. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. He is not easily angered. He is filled with kindness and is eager to, and is not eager to punish you. So why fast? Why, why do we have, what, what is fasting? What's that all about, right? Well, why fasting? I love this. You know why? You know I want us to fast? Because fasting is when you pick a fight with your flesh. Fasting is when you pick a fight with your flesh. I remember Pastor Tom, who pastored this church. He was my pastor. Um, I had gone off to plant a church. They sent me off to plant a church. And while I was planting the church, I remember we were probably in our fifth or sixth year. And things were going well. People were coming. People were getting saved. The finances were good. Things were great. And I remember he, him coming and seeing. And he's like, how are things going, Lance? And I was like, hey, they're going awesome. Really good. Really great, Pastor Tom. It's awesome. Here's what he said to me. He goes, you know what, Lance? I said, what? He goes, you need to pick a fight with someone. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Everything's good. And he's like, Lance, listen, if you don't, if you don't pick the fight, the fight's going to pick you. I said, what do you mean fight? He goes, like, like where's the thing that you're all going to fight for? Where's the thing you're all going to fight for? And here's what I'd have to say. If you don't pick a fight with your flesh, your flesh is going to pick a fight with you. If you don't pick a fight with your flesh and tell it, you listen to what I'm saying, then your flesh is going to continue telling you, no, you listen to what I'm saying. 
If you don't pick a fight with your flesh, your flesh is, well, already picking a fight. You know that part of you that says, eat that thing, <laughs> look at that thing, go over that thing, spin that thing. I mean, all the stuff, all the part of your flesh that just says, make me happy. Listen, if you don't pick a fight with that, well, maybe some of you, it's not even a fight anymore. It's just a yield. Some of us, we just yield all the time, and our yield is just to yield because our flesh, here, here's how I know. Here's how you know you've yielded to your flesh all the time. You're, you're, the words that come out of your mouth all the time are, I don't feel, or I do feel. It's all about your feelings, right? Your feelings are wrapped up in your flesh. God never told us to be led by our feelings. He told us to be led by his spirit and by decisions. Your feelings are fickle. They'll show up. Feelings always show up. Either going to be good or bad, but they'll show up. So why fast? Because I want you to pick a fight with your flesh. I want, you to, I want you to step in and say, listen here, flesh. I know who's the king of me, and it's not you, flesh. It's king, the, king of, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's the spirit of God inside of me. He's the king of my flesh. I have yielded my life to him. Pick a fight. That's why I want you to fast. So what kind of fast am I calling us to? Everyone stop eating food? <laughs> no. Maybe that's not even going to work for you medically. I, I just want to make sure. Uh, maybe, maybe, you need to, maybe you need to pick, pick a fight with your flesh. Some of you are going to do what's called the Daniel fast. And you could Google that, right? There's all kinds of stuff about a Daniel fast or a juice fast or, uh, or just a meal a day or two meals a day or something. Uh, personally, I'm going to do two meals a day. I could, I could help that out. I think I could walk out the two meals a day. Because trust me, my flesh wants to not sacrifice two meals a day. Why do I want to do that? Because when you, when you tell your flesh who's in control, your spirit begins to walk out what it's supposed to. Your spirit then takes control and says, listen, I know who's in control here. I am. That's your flesh. That's why I want you to fast. Some of you are going to fast some sort of food. Why food? Well, that's the thing that always wants to be talked to. <laughs> It may not be food for you. Maybe, maybe uh, some of our youth last couple of years have fasted social media. Some of them have fasted other things, uh, uh, TV perhaps or whatever, right? And, and again, somebody could come and split hairs. If you've got a, a worry about whether or not it's a real fast or not, can you please talk to Jesus? All right, don't, don't, don't come talk to me, I promise. Just you deal with Jesus. Whatever that place is in your life that's causing you to say the flesh is alive, you know that place. Think about fasting that thing, all right? Just think about fasting that thing, putting it up on the altar and saying, you don't control me. Hmm. Fasting. I think fasting is one of the quickest ways to get to the bottom of you. Fasting is one of the quickest ways to get to the bottom of you. Listen, whenever you decide to fast, can I just challenge you this? Whenever you decide to fast, and, and, and I want you to tell two people, all right? If you're going to decide to fast and not eat any food at all and just drink water, make sure you talk to your doctor, please. Don't do anything crazy, right? Because, because medically it might mess with your medicines and all that stuff you got going on. But, so please talk to somebody. Talk to two people and tell them what you're fasting. Why do I want you to talk to two people? One, for accountability, and two, for intelligence, right? Someone else can come to you and say, that's dumb. Don't do that. Like, you'll get hurt yourself. Don't do that, right? Or do this or consider this. I mean, just talk to two people and have them help you in that process. Fair? Amen. There we go. By the way, listen, did you know fasting is a spiritual discipline? Like there's somebody here in, in our room right now or somebody here is watching us online who's actually saying this. Well, I don't feel led to fast. You can fast, Lance. But I don't feel led to fast. It's not my thing. I just don't feel led to fast. You know, I'll wait till I feel led to fast. I just don't feel led. Can I just tell you this? Fasting, <laughs> fasting is a spiritual discipline. 
right? Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Let me tell you this. You don't have to pray to pray. Also a spiritual discipline. You don't have to pray to read your Bible. Should I read my Bible? Should I not read my Bible? Here's the thing. Read your Bible. Right? You don't have to pray if you should fast. You should just fast. Why do I know that? Because when Jesus was addressing fasting, Jesus said this, for a crazy phrase. Hey, when you fast, and he goes on. You know the indications for me are when I read that? When you fast, <laughs> is there's the assumption in Jesus' words that we should be doing that thing. It should be a regular part of our lives. Why? Because he continually wants us to put a fight to our flesh. Why? Because your flesh is continually putting a fight to you. We have to choose to do that, to continually remind that flesh who's the boss. Hmm. So 21 United. Why 21 days? Anything magical about that? No. It's three weeks. There's some significance to it in the Bible in terms of uh, uh, Jacob and dealing, wrestling with this angel and all that stuff. There, there, there's truly significance to that. The reasons that I'm calling us to 21 days is because it's three weeks, and three weeks is just, just long and hard enough, right? And I'm calling us to that place. I don't have a spiritual directive beyond that personally, but I just tell you this. I just feel like I want us to do three weeks, 21 days. Listen to this. Next Sunday, January 15th, we're going to start, and we'll go through February 5th. Read, pray fast. Why that? Read. We're all going to read together. Next week, we'll have these prayer journals ready for you where we will read every day the same passages all together. Uh, we all, all have the same reading journal, so you'll read it. You'll do a devotional in it, and then you'll write in your journal, and then you'll, you'll, you'll go to the next day, right? We'll, we'll, we'll all teach you how to do that next week. But we'll all have the same journal to read in and pray in and, and do all that business. I want us to do it together. Why do I have us all do the same things? Can't you just read your own devotional you have right now? Because you started yours on January 1st, and you're at the 8th, and you're not stopping now. right? And if you're in that place and you're doing that, go for it. Grace be upon you. <laughs> Please, in Jesus' name, don't feel compelled to have to do both. Just pick one. But, but do it, right? I like doing it together because I think there's something to be said. Honestly, there's something to be said <laughs> about what the, the devil stole from what I believe God intended us to have. I think God gave us peer pressure and the devil stole it. I think peer pressure is from Jesus. You know why? Nothing cooler than everyone reading the same passages of scripture and then someone walking up to you and say, did you read that this morning? And you thinking to yourself, uh-uh, but I will now, right? Peer pressure in Jesus' name, right? That's my, that's my hope is to apply a little Jesus peer pressure to each other so that you can text each other, so you can post it online, wherever you're gonna not fast, do all that business because I want us all to be reading and praying about the same stuff. For 21 days, begin to see that happen. Reading, we'll all do that together. Praying, I want us to pray privately and pray corporately. Pray corporately. And then also this, I want us to fast. We talked about that. Now remember, uh, deciding to remove food from your life is not a fast. That's a diet, right? Fasting is different. Fasting is when you choose to do something and you say, that thing's not going to rule me or whatever the, the issues are. And, and you can, we can talk a little bit more about a fast. And I'll have some paperwork on that for you next week you'd like to read up on that. So before we move on, can we pray? We can ask Jesus to show us what kind of fast that you're specifically supposed to walk into. Jesus, thank you for your time. You're, you're great. You're awesome. I pray that you help us this morning to uh, know what it is that we're supposed to fast. I believe every one of us are called to this. If we call this church our home or if we're just visiting here today, I believe for this 21 days, it would be great, Lord, to be able to step out and trust you in this area. Help us as we embark on that journey Show us this next few days what it is that we're supposed to be fasting. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. This week, I want to start briefly uh, a series that we're going to use over the course of these next several weeks. 
The series is called All Access, All Access. Our, our series in our fast, in our 21 United, is going to be called All Access. Why is it called that? Listen to this. The definition of All Access is this. Something which allows or permits full rather than limited access. Specifically designated pass, a badge which allows the bearer unrestricted access to all areas of a venue. I think it's amazing to me how God has given us unrestricted access to his, his throne room and how little we actually access it. I'm always amazed when I, when I talk to people who don't know Jesus, people who are wrapped up in, 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 in religions that aren't Christianity, and, and they find themselves having to, 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 to beat their bodies, to sacrifice things, to, uh, to, to give of this and do of that, just in hopes that somehow their God would be happy enough with them. And yet we have literally this invitation from heaven that says this in Hebrews chapter 4. So let us come boldly into the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find his grace to help us when we need it. I mean, we, we, we bump into people who don't know Jesus and they have this, uh, th- this crazy arm-twisting kind of deity that they're trying to follow that says, if you only do these nine things, then I'll maybe lean towards you. And yet we have the King of Kings, the one true God who says, come on, come in. And we still say, eh, too much. What would it be like if we actually embraced that welcome into the throne room of grace? Right? What would it be like? It would be like when my kids were little and, and I would be in a serious meeting, right? And my kids were two or three or four years old. And I'm in a serious meeting with somebody talking to them. And my kids would just run up and say, dad, 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 tapping on my leg, right? You remember that? Come on, some of you were in the middle of that, right? That the whole thing. And there's times I remember looking down thinking, son, stop, please stop. Or inside my head, in my spirit, I remember thinking, he isn't even aware of this conversation, <laughs> He's not even aware of the, he doesn't even bug him that he's stepping in on my world because he knows that I'm his daddy and he knows that he has access to me anytime he wants. See, that's the throne room of grace kind of God. He just simply says, you know what? I got stuff going on to be sure, but come on. Come on, I'm here for you. I want, I want relationship with you. I mean, this is the God of the universe that we're the one that sinned. We're the one that pulled away. He's the one that did something to restore our relationship. And he's saying, guys, listen, I love you. It's our flesh that gives this crazy block between us. And he's saying, will you just come in and hang with me? I'm telling you, after 21 days, there's something about us coming together as a group of people that you're going to say, oh, that's what he meant about that. That's what he meant about that. And you're going to find this intimacy, I'm hoping, because you're pursuing it. Hmm. Message this morning, I'm entitling VIP, very important prayer, very important prayer. You know, my study this week is interesting. I've been, I've been talking about prayer, and, and, and as I was kind of preparing this message, I kept on thinking about prayer, and what, what about prayer? And specifically, you know, I found over and over and over and over in Scripture that the indications from the Bible, moreover, are, are, are less about personal prayer and more about corporate prayer than I'd ever known before. I want to minimize personal prayer. You need to have personal prayer. Please do. But there's something about corporate prayer that I just see show up all over in the Bible this last week that I hadn't seen before. I mean, I just, over and over again, I keep on seeing these references that Jesus said to pray, you pray, but really he was saying the whole lot of you pray. Like there was something about him in his corporate directive to us that had lots to do with its corporate message. And I think sometimes we, we forget that. So I'm going to give you five, five uh, pictures or five really reasons why corporate prayer is important. Because what we're going to do over this next several weeks 
is we're going to take the Friday nights of every several weeks. So we're going to take Friday, uh, Friday of the Invitates, guys. I happen to. We're going to take Friday the 20th, Friday the 27th, and February the 3rd, and we're going to mark those off. So you can put them in your calendars, please do. We'll have child care available, but we're going to have an, a corporate prayer meeting right here. Those three Friday nights, we're going to mark them off. And each Friday night, prayer meetings are going to look a little different. We're going to have a different emphasis and a different focus. Because if you've been to a prayer meeting once, sometimes they, they're, they're, they can be the same thing. We're going to do three different styles of corporate prayer. We're going to have you come and be a part of it. If you've never been to a corporate prayer meeting before, man, this is a great time. It's three, weeks of, it's, it's three Friday nights in your life. Uh, I'm asking all our life groups to, to, to slow down. In fact, I'd like it if you could not meet for three weeks. You could if you want to. I'm not going to twist my arm on that one. But, but I'm telling you, what I'd really like you to do is not let it trump the prayer meeting. I want you to all be at the prayer meeting. It's these three Friday nights in a row. And we'll have a little bit of worship, and then we'll have some time of prayer. And we'll get up here, and we'll lead it, and we'll have some microphones and let you come up and pray. And some of you have never prayed out loud in your life, and I'm going to encourage you to give her a shot if you want. And I'll help you, but we'll, we'll figure it out together. We're going to pray. But there's something about corporate prayer that God's beginning to show me that's really amazing. That's really amazing. Listen to this. In Acts chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 6, open it up. You could. Uh, after, that's after uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, book of Acts. Acts chapter 6, this is kind of the birth of the church. Acts chapter 2 had already happened. The Holy Spirit had already come, and, and, and people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's lots of people getting saved Lots of people's lives that were being transformed. And we get to Acts chapter 6. And here we begin to see what the apostles saw as the importance of corporate prayer. Listen to this. This will go kind of quick. Corporate prayer. The apostles saw corporateness of prayer is very important. Acts chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 says this. It says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Those who spoke Greek complained against those who spoke Hebrew, saying... Their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Pause. Remember, during that time frame, people uh, were bringing all of their money, all of their belongings, all that stuff, and then they were doling it out to people and trying to take care of orphans and widows and do what they were supposed to do. But somehow, in the middle of this whole thing, the Greek-speaking widows and the Hebrew-speaking widows were apparently not being taken care of the same way, and somebody got uptight about it, right? And so the apostles begin to address this issue by saying this. It says, those who spoke Greek complained against those who spoke Hebrew, saying that the widow's being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Let me break down some of these words here. The, the word distribution in the Greek actually is where we get the word deacon. It's, it's pronounced this way, dika, uh, uh, diakone, diakone. No, I'm sorry, diakonia. There we go, diakonia, which means this, literally means deacon. It means to serve the corporate group of people, Right? So he says, in the corporate distribution of food, the distribution of serving lots of people, he says, then he goes on into verse 2, and it says, so the 12 called a meeting of the believers, we apostles should spend our time preaching and teaching the word of God, not administering the food program. The word administering the food program actually is the same basic word, diakonia, which literally means this, the service to a lot of people, right? It's the same word we get the deacon of serving lots of people. It wasn't about serving one widow or one person. It was about serving the whole lot of people, right? And so the, the, the messaging is going on here about a group of people. And it goes on down in verse 3 by saying this. Now look around among yourselves, brothers. Select seven men who are respected, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will put them in charge of this business. Then we can spend our time in prayer and preaching and teaching of the word. 
It's interesting. When it sounds to me, at your first reading, it sounds to me like the, the, the apostles are basically saying, we don't want to do the dirty work. Let's get somebody else to do the dirty work, and we'll do all the prayer, preaching, and teaching. Right? It's as if to say there was something that we'll get other people to do that. And so the thing I love about this is that it's not even what it meant. It wasn't the intent of this whole thing. What happened was at the early part of the beginning of the church, literally what was happening is they were seeing priorities happen. And the apostles were saying things like this. Our job is to be about the, the, the prayer, the preaching, and the teaching, and we need someone else to help hand out the food, right? I love that was what it was all about. But, but in, the, in the original language, I think we miss something. Sometimes in the language of English, we miss some of the original intent of the Greek or Hebrew. This is what I mean. The actual phrasing of, that, of chapter 6, verse 4, then we can spend time in prayer and preaching and teaching the Bible or the Word, actually is pronounced this way. Acts chapter 6, verse 4 is supposed to say, then we can spend our time in the prayer, the preaching, and the teaching. Right? The indication here is, is that when they say the preaching, there's this kind of understanding to all of us that they're not preaching to themselves, they're preaching to some group of people. The teaching wasn't to themselves, they were teaching to a group of people. The prayer we usually read is, some preacher or apostle is going to be praying by himself so he can learn how to preach, and then he's going to go preach it to a bunch of people. The truth is, what it was really being said here was, the apostle said, our job is to be about the corporate prayer to the people. The corporate preaching to the people. The corporate teaching to the people. In other words, it was all about a corporate message. He was telling them this. The important part at the beginning of the church was is that we prayed together. There's something super powerful that happens when a group of people come together in prayer. And I think we miss it in our, in our uh, sanitized, self-absorbed version of Christianity here in America. Because we really want our own God for our own purposes who knows the own hairs on my own head. And I'm saying, he happens to know the hairs on your head or the lack thereof. But the truth is, he, he, he really wants the corporate body, right? He came to seek and save the lost. Like all of us. God so loved the world. All of it. And sometimes we kind of tend to think that God just so loved me. He doesn't really care about everywhere else. Hmm. It's important that we realize Jesus saw the corporateness of prayer as important. 37 times in the New Testament, <clears throat> Jesus speaks in the Gospels about prayer. 33 of those times it was addressed in a corporate sense. For example, Matthew chapter 7 says this, Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open. Right? We've heard that passage before. In, in, in here, when it says, keep asking, you will, you will seek, you will find, you will be open to you. That word you there is, is actually a, a derivative of how my sister back in, in, uh, in Tennessee says it, right? Y'all. In other words, she says this, keep asking and y'all will find. Keep seeking and you all will hear. Keep knocking and y'all have the door open to you. Right? That's really what this message is saying. Jesus is saying, when you all come together, you're all going to hear something over and over and over again. This is what it says here in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus said, I assure you that if two of you on earth agree about any matter for you that you pray for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. I think it's so imperative because we get together, right? I think when we pray together, you know why I think it happens when we pray together? I think we're more honest. I think when we get together, we, we don't get so selfish, when we get together, we think about bigger things than just my owies or my hurts or my pains. We think about y'all stuff and begin to realize, like, hey, it's not just about me anyway. And watch God bring healing to you in spite of that. 
Number three, the New Testament reminds us of corporate prayer importance. Over and over in the book of Acts, we see, listen to this, I'll just rattle this off. 120 were gathered in Acts chapter 1, praying together in one accord, and the Holy Spirit fell. In Acts chapter 1, verse 24, the disciples prayed again with the same group of people for Judas's replacement, the one who denied Christ. In Acts chapter 4, verses 24 and 31, Peter and John reported the Sanhedrin's threats. Those who gathered cried out to God in a court of boldness, and the whole place was shaken when they all prayed. Over and over again, listen to this. History itself reminds us the importance of corporate prayer. Let me just read this to you, and I'll be done. In 1857... America was riding the wave of a strong economy, as it, as it tends typical in prosperous times. Showed a radical decrease in interest of the things of God. There was a layman named Jeremiah Lanfear who was concerned that he lead a call for corporate prayer. He tacked up notices in New York City on the wall calling for a weekly prayer meeting on Wednesdays from noon to one, and he rented a space on Fulton Street. The first prayer meeting was on September 23rd, 1857, and only six people showed up, but they showed up at 1230. The next week in attendance jumped from, from six to 20. The week after that, or near there shortly, in October 10th, the stock market crashed and financial panic set in. Trouble had a humbling effect on the hearts of many people. From that day forward, there were somewhere between 10,000 and 50,000 businessmen showing up to that prayer meeting. The prayer meeting went from one time a week to, uh, to on the 15th to, to literally every day at noon. In 1858, that same prayer meeting leapt to every major city in the United States, and the Second Great Awakening swept our land. I'm always amazed at what it takes for us to drop to our knees in prayer. There's a part of me that's like, God, bring on the blessing. Jesus, just let, let the economy be great because it's just so awesome. Then there's this part of my spirit that says, God, duh, break us so we can get away from ourselves. Get us to the point where, where, where we, we're dependent upon you because we need you, not because we're, there's this crazy moment. I remember when 9-11 happened, I was the superhero in the church I was, in the city I was pastoring. People were just like, Pastor, we need you in the schools and in the police department and in the fire department and in City Hall. Pastor, come on, Pastor. And I remember I was leading prayer meetings everywhere. And I remember thinking to myself, this is just going to last a minute. Because it didn't take a short period of time before they were like, you can't be in schools. You can't come to the police department. You can't be in City Hall. And sometimes I wonder, does it take another, another crazy event before we finally realize our desperation? I don't know. I hope that doesn't happen. That's not my plan. That's not my wish. It's not even my prayer. My prayer is, is that we will fight our flesh enough to say, flesh, get in line with what Jesus wants us to do. And we begin to run to him because he's worthy of it, not because we're unaware of it. So how about you this morning? Maybe there's a place in your life that you're not hungering for God the way you used to. Maybe today you've never hung for, hungered for God, but you're realizing that you need a hunger for God. And you're realizing this morning that you're saying, gosh, I just not run after him, but I need to run after him. Maybe that's you this morning, and today you need to commit your life to following him. And maybe you'll join us for 21 United. That would be awesome. But my hope today is, is that today you might come to the place where you realize that this whole journey isn't just about you. It's about, it's about him. So I want to pray with you this morning. Can we do that as we close?
Lord, this morning we thank you for your grace. We need you a bunch. Father, this morning there are men and women that sound in my voice who, who know you, who've known you for a long time, but have walked away from you. I pray this morning that we would come to a place, that that person would come to a place of rededicating their lives to you. If that's you, just say, Jesus, you got me. I give my life to you. I don't need to re-get saved. I just need to realign my life with you. And maybe you're here for the first time. You're realizing your need for him. Maybe for the first time you're realizing that you've never really given your life to Jesus, but today you need to. If that's you, just say, Jesus, I need you. I surrender. Help me to learn more about you. Take away my sin. Give me your spirit. And we trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me finish with this story. 